Hello, all, and welcome back to Church History. I'm Laura Lee Siemens, and before we start, let me share a little bit about where this podcast is going. For the last few months, it has been random days that I upload a new episode, and that is a no-no in the podcast world. However, life was in a hurricane of never knowing what was going to happen in the next few days. As a family, we made it through all the craziness of the government's reaction to this virus. Just so you know, my husband is a truck driver and he delivers food to restaurants. So it was a little uncertain what his work would be like. During the time of year where he is normally the busiest, he was the slowest he had been in years. So to make sure we were all okay, I took some extra jobs and he also took an extra job. We personally found the gig world super helpful and praise to God, we came through okay. Plus, we were able to pay off one of our vehicles and we're pretty close to paying off our second vehicle with some of the extra money we made through all of our gig work. I've also gotten more clients for voiceover work, including a few audiobooks, and I am loving that. We have four daughters, and now they are in grade 9, 10, 11, and 12. So over this last few weeks, my oldest got her driver's license, my second oldest got her learner's permit. With all of these things going on, getting research done for this podcast has been a bit harder. This is why I've been putting out episodes just whenever I'm able to. But... Now we're going to start getting things on schedule again. So I will be uploading a new episode every Monday morning from now on. So you want to make sure you subscribe and you're ready on Monday morning for a brand new episode. I'm also getting ready to put season one of this podcast available for sale. More information will be available on that really soon. And I will let you know as soon as you can order it. Okay. So now that you have an update on my life and this podcast, let's get started with today's episode. The church had become completely intertwined with the government. There was little difference between the two. The Inquisition was a symptom of this and a sign this was a huge problem. The church also had become completely corrupt and had little to do with the gospel, the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection, and the power of all of that to save us from sin. As men began to read the Bible for themselves, they began to believe in faith through grace and the Reformation started. So, as the Reformation was growing across what is today Europe, in the 1520s it came to Zurich. The main teacher in Zurich was Zwingli. Men moved to Zurich in order to study under Zwingli, and the Reformation grew. One of the men studying under Zwingli was Felix Mons. He began studying with Zwingli in 1519. Felix was the son of a priest and could read and write in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. As Felix studied, he began to see one huge difference. 
he had with Zwingli. Zwingli and the reformers did not believe the church should be detangled from the government. Instead, they thought the reformers should be controlling the government instead of the Catholic Church. There was a group that believed the church and the government should be separated. Felix was one of the main preachers in this group. This group also believed the church should be based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They believed the church should be a community, both literally and figuratively. They believed in accepting the suffering as Jesus did, with no fighting back. At a time where cities were under a constant threat of the Turks, Islamic forces attacking, this idea that you should not fight back was not a popular one. There was one event in the person's life that became the deciding factor of where you stood with the Reformation. That was baptism. Babies were baptized, and at that moment, their names were written down in church documents. These names were used for taxes and war enlistings. So when this new group refused to baptize their infants, it was seen as treason and as a matter of national security. We covered this in more detail in the episode called Anabaptist and the Worst Church in History. Today we're looking at one sect from the Anabaptist movement. This group was first known as the Swiss Brethren. Another man named George Blorock moved to study under Zwingli. George was a Catholic priest and always wore a blue coat. He became famous for that, and that is where his name comes from. In English, his name would be George Bluecoat. George became a Christian under Zwingli's teaching, and soon found himself following Felix in his thinking of baptism and the separation of the church and the state. On a cold January morning, the city held a debate between Zwingli and the men who had broken away from the Reformation. The city declared Zwingli the winner, not surprisingly since they wanted him to be the winner. And then the city said all the parents had six days to make sure their children were baptized or they would be kicked out of town. When the government cracked down on the group, they did so by making adult baptism illegal. Men and women were captured and put into dungeons, giving only bread and water to eat. But the Swiss brethren kept growing. So, December 1526, the death penalty was pronounced for anyone who would be baptized as an adult or who refused to baptize their children. Both Felix and George were arrested and beaten. Imagine it's January 5th, 1527. A group of men are standing near a boat waiting for the prisoner. Felix Mons arrives with the guards. As he approaches the crowd, he is preaching. His mother and brother are on the shore. They call out to him to keep the faith. He is loaded onto the boat, and the men then get on the boat with him. One of the men is the town executioner. The boat travels the cold water until they are far from shore. The people watching from shore look small, but are still visible. You can still hear the faint sound of Felix's mother and brother calling to him to stay strong. 
Felix's arms are pulled behind his back and his stick is slipped through the rope. His legs are then pulled back and tied in the same stick. Felix then calls out, Into thy hands I commend my spirit. He is then thrown overboard. The executioner then holds him underwater while his lungs fill with water. At three o'clock on this cold January afternoon, Felix Mons, one of the main preachers for the Swiss Brethren, is dead. His body is brought back for burial, but his family is forbidden from burying him in the town cemetery. Felix is the first martyr at the hands of the Protestant movement, but he will not be the last. Both the Catholic Church and the Reformation Church had the guilt of killing those who disagreed with them. That same January day, George is severely beaten, but then released from prison. The city hopes that seeing the death of Felix and suffering from his beating will make George recant his position. But instead, George flees the city. He traveled from city to city preaching. He preached about both a spiritual community and a literal community. He preached about the dangers of a state church. He taught the radical idea of the separation of church and state. He spoke about freedom of religion and equality under the law. He traveled all through the Alps, and many people were saved and new churches were established. Finally, he settled in Austria. He became the pastor of a small church that had just lost their preacher. Their preacher had been arrested, beaten, and then burned at the stake. George preached there for some time before he was also arrested. In 1529, George was burnt at the stake. He preached until his lungs filled with smoke and he could no longer speak. One man who had heard George speak and who had watched him die was a man named Jacob. Jacob Hutter. Hutter means hatmaker and Jacob was literally the town hatmaker. So in English, his name would have been Jacob the Hatmaker. Jacob decided he would continue the message that George could not finish when he died. And with that, Jacob became the new preacher of this movement. The persecution got worse, and that made communities move from city to city. But everywhere they moved, more and more communities would grow. The community started to be called Hutterites after Jacob Hutter. The group settled in an area called Nickelberg. This area had been one of the places that John Huss had preached. The town had a strong belief in tolerance, and that meant that people were free to worship the way they wanted, with no interference from the state. The group believed strongly that everyone in the community must share everything. They decided all that they had would be divided amongst the group, and they modeled this from the early church in Jerusalem. Anabaptists moved from all over Europe to live under this freedom. Germany, Switzerland, Italy, and the Hutterites were also able to settle here and grow. And at this point, there was a division in the group. The division was under the question, what exactly did separation of church and state mean? One group saw this idea to mean that as a Christian, you were separate from the state. That meant no paying taxes, no fighting in wars, and no looking to the government in any way for any help. 
The second group saw this idea to mean that the government was separate from the church, which means that the government could not tell you how to worship. However, you, as a person, were not separate from the state. You should pay taxes, and if your country was attacked, not only were you allowed to fight, you were really morally obligated to fight. With the Turks constantly attacking, this was a sticking point. The taxes went to the soldiers to make sure the land was secure, and the call to fight was always just a moment away. There was the clear threat that if the Turks took their land, any tolerance or freedom of religion would be gone. Eventually, the freedom of religion was taken away, and the Hutterites were forced to flee once again. In 1536, Jacob Hutter was arrested. He was beaten and then burned at the stake. But the group continued to grow. Then came the Thirty Years' War. Now, the Thirty Years' War is really an entire episode all to itself. So we're going to cover that in the next episode. But during those 30 years, many of the Hutterites were killed, and others joined the Catholic Church looking for protection. By the end of the Thirty Years' War, the community was much smaller. It was still illegal, and the preachers had to keep a low profile, and often were forced to hide. Imagine it's 1570. You're eating with a friend at the local inn. The two of you get together for drinks after work here often, as the week comes to an end. Three men enter, and you turn to your friend. That man in the middle, he looks familiar to me. Oh, he looks like every other traveler. Don't start anything today, okay? No, I mean it. I think he's one of those radicals, those Anabaptists. You think? Just then, the men take their hats off and bow their heads to pray. See, that is not a Catholic. You get up off your seat and hurry to the innkeeper. Keep those men occupied. I'm going to get the sheriff. Those are wanted men. You don't have to go get the sheriff. Somebody else has already done that. You wait, watching the men eat. They seem to know something is wrong, and they get up to leave. But the innkeeper moves to the door and blocks it. The men don't fight back. Soon the sheriff arrives, and the men allow themselves to be arrested and taken away. You look at your friend, who seems very bothered by the whole thing. And you seem to wonder, did you do the right thing? These men don't seem dangerous at all. They were so calm, and they didn't even fight back. This is the true story of how these three preachers were captured. They were put into prison. The sheriff's wife, however, thought that the ideas the men were teaching sounded good. It would be good if there was freedom of religion, and if people shared their belongings with the poor. Why does this message seem so dangerous? The sheriff's wife made sure the men were well-fed. She brought them food she personally made. But for the most part, they were forgotten about, and it was three years before they finally had a trial. While the trial was going on, one night, the men looked out their window to see there were no guards below them. They quickly took the sheets from their beds, tied them together, and used the sheets as ropes to climb out of the prison. They escaped the town that night. The men continued to preach and eventually died a natural death. The Hutterites community continued to travel to find places they could live in peace. 
and they became known for being artists. Their books were written with beautiful calligraphy. Their dishes were painted with beautiful designs and can be found today in museums around the world. The Hutterites moved to Romania and then Russia, and then, in 1874, found themselves in North America. Today, in Canada, where I live, there are 350 Hutterite communities. They still live very simple lives. They are still known for their artistic designs of furniture and dishes. They still believe they are separate from the state, and they still share all their belongings. They also mostly speak German. Their ideas seemed radical at the time, and today their lifestyle seems radical. But the idea of freedom of religion, the idea of tolerance, the idea of separation of state and church, the idea of equality under the law, these don't seem radical anymore. These are now mainstream. We are starting to get close to the end of the Reformation and the end of this season. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Thirty Years' War. It's kind of an important part of this history, an important part of the shaping of Europe. So, in order to make sure that you don't miss it, make sure you subscribe. And if you could leave a five-star review, that would be awesome for me. In the meantime, if you want to see more videos, blogs, or other podcasts, check out my website at lauraleesiemens.com. I'm going to see you next week.